This is Thursday, September 15th. You ever wonder what's coming next? What will the coming generation be like? Now, just this past week, we received the news of the death of Queen Elizabeth II of the United Kingdom. Her reign spanned for more than 70 years. In the last few days, we've heard a lot about her life, and her funeral is coming up. For many, she's the only monarch they have ever known. Her faithfulness and devotion to duty are unparalleled in the history of that nation. Now, of course, the speculation has grown about her son and successor, Charles III. I love the unlikely way and time that Elizabeth first became queen. Of course, when she was born, no one would have thought that she would rise to the throne and that she would rule for so long. She was third in line at the time, but Elizabeth was not ten years old when her uncle abdicated the throne in order to marry a divorced American woman. That made her father king and her heir to the throne, something very, again, very unlikely to take place. In 1952, she was touring Kenya with her husband, Prince Philip. January 22nd, she spent the day out in the bush watching elephants and rhinos, and at one point, Elizabeth and those in her company became cornered by a large cow elephant, and she and the others had to climb a tree for safety. (laughs) She went up a tree, a 25-year-old young lady, and when she came down, she descended the tree, the Queen of England. The news had come that her father, King George, had died in his sleep following surgery that he had the day before. She was informed of her new status. Now she was the queen. Of course, that should have us asking how God works and how he works through the generations, how God steers time and circumstances in our world. Here's our text for today from 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 1 to 2. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedaniah, daughter of Adiah. She was from Bazkath. He He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Now we are being told about a changing of the guard in Judah that became pivotal to the history of the people. Why was Josiah's reign so important? It's because both his father and grandfather, his father wasn't David, he was in the line of David, but his father and grandfather had led the people astray. We are told of his father Ammon this, he followed completely the ways of his father, worshiping the idols his father had worshipped and bowing down to them. He forsook the Lord, the God of his ancestors, and did not walk in obedience to him. Ammon's officials conspired against him and assassinated the king in his palace. Yes, talk about rising surprisingly to the throne. Josiah was only eight years old when his father was murdered. His father and grandfather were the worst of the kings of Judah. They brought shame and disgrace to the kingdom. They turned the people away from the Lord. Here is the truth beneath the story of God's people. They are good and bad leaders, but there is always a remnant, always a small group of people walking with the Lord. This has been true during the unfolding years of the Church of Jesus Christ. 
Often the church wavered and sometimes was drawn into idolatry. This is what brought about the reformation of the Western church in the 16th century through the leadership of people like Martin Luther and John Calvin. These other faithful women and men returned to the Lord through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, Josiah, though young, walked with the Lord and soon instituted a series of reforms that spread all across his kingdom. He repaired the temple, he removed idols from across the country, and he helped the people to return to the law of God and celebrate the Passover once again. But sadly, he only lived to his 39th year, and he was killed in battle protecting his people from their enemies. So what do we learn from him? First, it is necessary for every generation to seek and follow the Lord. One generation cannot do that for another. Faith in God must constantly be renewed and strengthened. And second, as we have seen, God always has a faithful remnant. He always has people serving Him and worshiping Him. Those people may be small in number. So you may ask, what is our part? Our part is to be faithful in our day to remember that the Lord is God and to open the way for the next generation to know Him, to raise our children to know the Lord. Here's the thing about Josiah. His kingship brought about a season when the people thrived and were secure. But his son was unfaithful to the Lord and led his people toward destruction. As I said about Queen Elizabeth II, no one could have guessed the way she would come to the throne or that her reign would provide such stability for the commonwealth. This reveals another calling we have, that is, to pray. To pray for those in leadership and in authority. In Scripture, God calls upon us to do this. This is 1 Timothy 2, verse 1-4. to I urge, then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we pray as you've asked us for those in authority over us. We pray for national, state, and local leaders. Help them to see the gravity of the calling they have received from you. Help them to sense each day their need of you. Humble them by the task you place before them and guide them by your mighty hand. Help us to pray for them more than we criticize them and to be thankful for days of peace and safety. For we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.